Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church, and we're talking marriage and family. I've spent time with a lot of couples over the years, and I have noticed that most people that get married have at least one thing in common. Couples, obviously, are all very different. Some are coming from rich backgrounds, others poor. Some are educated, others uneducated, some are louder, others are quieter, some are active, some are inactive. There are so many differences in relationships, but one thing that most couples have in common is that when they got married, they really wanted to have a good marriage. It is rare. I've never met someone who says that on their wedding day, they were thinking, I hope this relationship gets so bad that we start thinking about divorce. When they're looking into each other's eyes on their wedding day, they aren't thinking, wow, this is really gonna turn out terrible. Most of the time they're thinking, this is amazing. I love this person more than I could possibly love anyone else. And yet so often you meet them years later And it's not like that. And you're wondering, how did something that was so good turn out so bad? That's a good question because according to the Bible, marriage doesn't have to be a bad thing. Many people are uh, cynical about marriage, but God isn't. Marriage is God's idea. And when God designed marriage, he wasn't thinking, how can I make life really difficult for people? This is what I'll do. I'll give them marriage. No, marriage is supposed to be a demonstration of God's grace, and it really is. And to help us enjoy marriage, God even stooped down to show us how it's supposed to work. He gave us a blueprint. You know what a blueprint is. Of course, when someone goes to construct a building, they don't just all of a sudden show up and start building, usually. Someone has to design the building and make a plan for how they're going to build it. And we call those plans blueprints. And the blueprints tell the workers what they're supposed to do and what the building's supposed to look like. And in the Bible, God gives his blueprint for marriage. And so when someone gets married, they are making a commitment. They're entering into a covenant. They're committing to something. R.C. Sproul said, the heart of the institution of marriage is the reality of commitment. The issue in a marriage ceremony is focused on one basic question. Can I trust your word? Now, what are you promising? What are you committing to? You're committing to God's blueprint. <laughs> we we can get into the specifics of that and, and we will, but generally to have a good marriage, God's kind of marriage, what's happening on your wedding day is you are promising God and each other to follow God's plan, not your own, nor anyone else's for marriage. And I I bring that up because honestly, most problems in marriage come down to the fact that either people don't know or they're not committed to keeping that covenant. They aren't actually following God's plan for marriage or blueprint for marriage. They've come up with their own plan instead. Again, R.C. Sproul has said, in every single marriage that ends in disaster, some stupid decisions were made with respect to God's regulations. If God's regulations were followed scrupulously, there would not only be no divorce, there would be no unhappy marriages. So when we're having problems in our marriages, it makes sense then to go back to God's blueprint. How are we failing 
to keep these promises that we made to one another on our wedding day or if we didn't know what those promises were on our wedding day, how are we failing to follow God's plan for our marriage? And in order to help you do that, evaluate whether or not you're following God's plan for your marriage, God's basic blueprint, I want us to think a little bit about what that blueprint is and specifically talk about the purposes of marriage. Now, this is going to take a while because there are a number of different purposes in the Bible for marriage. But we're going to begin with companionship. I think one problem in marriage is that people think it's only for companionship. But at the same time, it is for companionship. It is for companionship. It's for friendship. When God brought the first man his spouse, someone said, he brought him not just a lover, but the friend his heart had been seeking. Tim Keller has written, what Adam needed in the garden was not just a sexual partner, but a companion, bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. Sometimes young people think of a prospective spouse as primarily a lover or a provider. And if he or she can be a friend on top of all that, well, isn't that nice? But they should be going at it the other way around. Look first for friendship. Proverbs 2 talks about one spouse as a special confidant or best friend. So we have to evaluate the state of our friendship. This is one of God's purposes for marriage. If we go back to God's blueprint, why did he make marriage? One of the purposes of marriage is companionship. How are we doing? How are you doing? Now, that's a hard thing for many people to evaluate because they've never really had good biblical friends and so they don't even know really, where to begin. What does it mean to be a biblical friend? So you're going to have to think through what does friendship involve? Let me give you a couple words to help you think about whether or not you're being a friend to your spouse and how you can improve. A couple words and a couple questions. And the first word is commitment. Friendship takes work. Uh, Another word for committed is devoted. And so if you're going to be a good friend to your spouse, it needs to be a priority. Your spouse needs to be a priority and friendship needs to be a priority, not just when you feel like being a friend to them, not just when it's easy to be a friend to them, not just when you have time to be a friend to them. You need to be committed to pursuing them as your best friend when it's easy and when it's hard. And so... You, you should stop and ask yourself, does the other person know that they are a priority to me, specifically that our friendship is a priority? Do they know that they can count on me pursuing them and pursuing them as a friend? If so, how do they know that? What is it that you do that demonstrates your commitment to being their companion? Commitment, love is another word, obviously, but not just love, growing love for the other person. First Thessalonians chapter three, uh, Paul prays for the church that the Lord might make you increase and abound in love. And if we're to do that for other people in the church, certainly we should be doing that for our spouse. It's not supposed to be that you get married really in love and then over the years, It sort of decreases the love you have for your spouse. No, it should be the other way around. You start 
loving the other person, committing to love the other person. You don't even really fully know them or what that means. But over the years, your love for them grows and grows and grows. And this is part of what I love about marriage, actually. Part of what I love about God's plan is that over the years, you come to know this person so much better than you than than you ever could have imagined and you understand how to love them better this is like your person and you can grow you can grow in loving them and so you need to ask is there more affection in your heart for your spouse than last year are you getting better at loving your spouse In what ways are you getting better at loving your spouse? If I sat down and asked them, is your your spouse getting better at loving you? What would they say? Commitment, love, acceptance. Accepting the other person without being judgmental or condemnatory. Romans 15 talks about welcoming one another as God has welcomed you. And obviously we're not talking about ignoring sin, but... The other person should feel safe with you. Friends feel safe with one another. It's hard to change without being open. And it's hard to be open if the person who's supposed to be your friend is constantly attacking you when you bring sin out. And so you might look at the relationship you have with your spouse. Is the other person slow to share their problems with you? If they're slow to share their problems with you, you might ask, why? Is it because I'm a difficult person to share problems with? Are you open with one another about your weaknesses, not just your strengths? Are you afraid to let the other person know what's going on in your heart? Why? Commitment, love, acceptance, honor. A good friend has a a sincere desire to meet the needs of the other person and a willingness to put the other person's needs above their own. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 tells us to consider another person's interests as more important than our own. In In the Christian life, we're saved by Christ's death and uh and resurrection. But Christ's death and resurrection is not only how we're saved, it's also a pattern for how we are to to live in a sense. He who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will will find it. And so on a day-to-day basis, we are to deny ourselves and pick up our, our cross and follow Jesus. And part of picking up our cross and following Jesus is being the kind of friend to our spouse that says, hey, it's not just about what do I want to do, what do I like, but how can I die to myself so that you can enjoy what you enjoy? When was, just to make this practical, when was the last time you did something your spouse wanted to, but you didn't? And what was your attitude like as you were doing so? Did you actually, is it possible for you to enjoy something that you don't think is enjoyable just because somebody else enjoys it? Patience, love, priority, uh, uh, commitment, acceptance, patience. Uh, 
a good friend patiently allows the other person to make mistakes without becoming angry or allowing those mistakes to damage the relationship. Love is patient. How do you respond when your spouse disappoints you? Be honest. It's funny. Uh, some of us are so, are we look patient with other people outside the home, but in the home, we're so impatient. And this reveals who we think we are. We think sometimes that we are God and we do everything perfectly. But of course we're not and, and we don't. Plus just the, the selfishness, treating other people so differently than we would want to be treated. We're so soft on ourselves and sometimes so hard on others. When was the last time your spouse disappointed you and what did you do in response? What kinds of things does your spouse say after they make a mistake? You can tell that it's hard for for some people to live with others because when they make a mistake, they have to just, I mean, it's just like a, such a huge deal. They're, they're oh, just so worked up about it. And sometimes that's their own fear of man, but sometimes that's because their spouse is just so rigid. Are you rigid or are you patient? A good friend is patient. Freedom's another word. I, do you allow the other person to be themselves in your presence without putting so much pressure on them that they feel condemnation and, and rejection? Romans 14 and 15 talks about the, the church and how there were going to be different opinions in the church about some things that were not just absolutely black and white. And Paul says you need to welcome one another. It's not that you have to make the other person think in these areas that are outside the Bible exactly like you do, but instead uh, enjoy, allow them to be them and you to be you and be united. And so the goal in in marriage is is not to make the other person just like you. It's kind of a, a silly example, but when we uh, first got married, I used to throw my clothes on the floor, and uh, or not just like randomly throw my clothes on the floor, but instead, I, I for some reason I wouldn't, I wasn't so careful about putting them in the laundry basket, but usually I would make it pretty close to the laundry basket, uh, and and yet not quite. And uh, for a while, that was a little discouraging to Marta, and yet at one point she just thought, you know what? Josh must not mind the clothes here, but I do. So instead of trying to force Josh to be like me, I'm just going to pick up those clothes and put them in the basket. And yet, of course, now I hear that. And what do I need to do? I need to think, ah, I want to serve Marta by putting my clothes in the basket. It's not that hard. But the point is she wasn't trying to make me exactly like her, but instead was willing to die to herself for my good. And that encouraged me to be willing to do the same for for her. What does your spouse do that you wouldn't do that maybe even embarrasses you? And what do you do when they do it? Uh, commitment, patience, honor, freedom, peace, peace, being a peacemaker. A good friend is a peacemaker and, and seeks to do whatever they can do legitimately to avoid tension and conflict in the relationship. Romans talks about living in harmony. And of course, you can make conversations. You know this. You can make conversations either harder or easy, easier. And some people have a way of making difficult 
some people have a way, let me say it like this, some people have a way of making easy conversations difficult and other people have a way of making difficult conversations easier. Which are you? And which are you with your spouse, the person you're supposed to be closest friends with? And it comes down to things like even the way you look while they're talking, the, the words you use, whether you are affirming, whether you over talk as they as they share, whether you are able to recognize that this might be a difficult conversation for them. What kinds of things do you do to make it easy to have discussions about difficult issues? Peace, unity. Here, uh, Paul, even in the church in First Corinthians chapter one, ten and eleven, talks about us being of the same mind and. And in a marriage, even in more so, uh, friends, uh, in, in marriage, uh, we should not be the kind of friends who live two separate lives and see each other every once in a while. But instead, this is an opportunity for us. We are one. And so we have the opportunity to live as one and to demonstrate this just stunning unity. Do you live two separate lives. What's your, or maybe to put it more positively, what is your dream as a couple to do together for Christ? Honesty, being fully honest with one another. Friends are appropriately honest. They are trustworthy. They are truthful. They are dependable. Is there anything you lie to your spouse about? Obviously, the book of Proverbs also talks about being a fool, and a fool just says whatever whatever's on his mind. And yet, at the same time, uh, we need to be honest. And so is there anything you keep from your spouse? It's hard to have a good friendship with someone who is deceiving you. Confession. Confession's another word. Good friends confess, well, you're going to sin. So how do you deal with it? A good friend quickly seeks reconciliation whenever they've hurt the other person and they ask for forgiveness. So what does it look like for you when you ask for forgiveness? What do you say? (laughs) Some people just say, I'm sorry. But I'm sorry is different than asking for forgiveness. I'm sorry is more like, uh, it's good. I I feel sad, really, that uh, that this happened. But when someone says, I'm sorry, what what do you usually say? You say, it's okay. And if you sinned against your spouse, it's actually not okay. It's wrong. It's sin. And so when you sin, you should say, please forgive me. I have I have sinned. Some people don't even go so far as to say, I'm sorry. They just ignore it and hope the other person gets over it. They, they blame. What about you? Describe what happened the last time that you asked for forgiveness. Can you remember? Why, why, if you, if, if you can't remember, why? Why can't you remember? It's because you haven't had much conflict lately or haven't deliberately sinned against your wife in a long time? Or is it just because you haven't actually asked for forgiveness? Encouragement's another word. Good friends encourage. They actively try to build the other person up spiritually. That's what I mean by encouragement. Giving another person courage to obey Christ. How do you help your spouse grow spiritually? There's a lot of different ways you could do that. One would be devotions together. Another would be just 
time talking about Jesus. It's hard to help someone else grow spiritually if you're not growing spiritually. And so if you pursue your own growth, you're not just pursuing spiritual growth for yourself. You're pursuing spiritual growth so that you might share it with the people in your home. If you don't talk to one another about Christ, why is it? Why is that uncomfortable? Why is that strange? Is it because you have nothing to say? Or is it because you're fearing what the other person would think? If, you, if you're not talking to each other about Jesus on a regular basis, you're not really being a good friends. Forgiveness. Obviously, a good friend confesses sin, but also a good friend is willing to forgive the other person when the other person sins against them. And you want to be the kind of person who makes it easy for others to confess their sin. How do you respond when your spouse sins against you? How do you respond when when they confess their sin? Are you the kind of person who just wants to beat them down after they confess? They come and they say, you know what? I have sinned against you. And you say, yeah, you need to know how terrible it was. You've really sinned. And they say, please forgive me. And they're like, yeah, you, you, you're really bad. I can't believe you did that. Or are you the kind of person who just, like the father who runs to the prodigal son, and even as the prodigal son is confessing his sin, it's almost as if the father's saying, hey, let's let's have a party. Rebuke. Good friends rebuke one another in appropriate ways. There's a, a gentleness to their rebuke or their correction, but there's rebuke. Sometimes where people are really having problems in their marriages and they're really discouraged about something and they share it with a lot of other people, but they never share it with their spouse. And if you don't share it with your spouse, why? Uh, is it because you, you, you're not sure it's sin, what they're doing? Okay, well, think that through, of course. Is it because you're trying to be patient? That's good. It's good to be patient. Love overlooks a lot of wrongs. It definitely, it's hard to do, but, but it's, it's important. We're going to hurt each other, and so we need to be the kind of people who are not easily offended, and, and it's good to work at that. But at the same time, if there's an issue that is just there in, in your gut for such a, a long time and you can't seem to get past it, there comes a point where you definitely need to take some steps and lovingly talk to your spouse about it. Concern, another word, we're almost done here, but a good friend makes it a habit of meeting as many of the other person's needs as they possibly can. A good friend notices. This is something I've tried to learn from Marta over the years. (laughs) She's a really good friend. She notices, and she even knows things about me that I I don't know. I remember uh, her uh, one time asking me if I was worried, and I said, yeah, I am worried. How'd you know that I was worried? And apparently there's something I do with my hand. I put my hand on the top of my head a certain way, and she had noticed that, and I I had just done that. It was I had never known that about myself, and yet once she said it, I was like, wow, that is true. That's exactly what I do, and she has made it a habit to notice. On the other hand, so often I don't <laughs> notice. I don't notice, and I'm just kind of passively uh, going through life being a nice guy, and, and yet not that nice, not that kind, not that good a friend because I'm not noticing what – upsets her or what she enjoys as well as I should. And so one of the ways I've had to grow as a friend is just this, noticing. What does your spouse enjoy? What makes them happy? When was the last time you did something 
special for your spouse that that you knew was special because because you knew them. Sympathy. A good friend understands the hardships another person experiences and feels alongside of them. Is there anything your spouse struggles with that that you just because they struggle with it, you struggle with it? What do you do when your spouse is sad? Some of us are in such a hurry, we're kind of like, hey, get over it, get over it, get over it. Instead of actually trying to rejoice when they rejoice and weep when they weep. Good friends comfort other people when they are experiencing sorrow. They don't just minimize the other person's sorrow. How does your spouse like to be comforted when they're sad? They don't just comfort. Good friends challenge. They, they, uh, a good friend is the kind of person who you're around them and you want to be holier. And one of the ways a, a really good friends help us be challenged to pursue holiness is not just what they say, but how they live, their, their, their lifestyle. There's so much I've learned from Marta over the years. I, I can't imagine who I would be apart from the friendship that God's given me with her. And, and so much of it's just been her life. Do you, are you living the kind of life that is a challenge to your spouse? Uh, prayer, pray. Uh, a good friend prays. Paul did this all the time, right? For, for people he barely even knew, right? And, and, and so we should even uh, be those kinds of friends uh, more so to, to our spouse. When was the last time you just prayed for your spouse? Warmth. A good friend is warm makes the other person feel comfortable and 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 the other person knows that they are enjoyed by you. <laughs> uh, when you haven't seen your spouse all day, what do you do when you greet each other for the first time normally? I love coming home uh, because uh, it's just everybody notices. <laughs> I want, and that's they notice because Marta's set the example. When I come home, kids are, I actually have to kind of think about, did I go to the bathroom before I leave the office? Because I know when I get home, there's going to be so many hugs. It takes me a while. <laughs> and uh, and that's because Marta. Marta has uh, made a warm home and uh, a good friends are warm. Sharing, partnering, communication. Man, we could go on and on. Listening, patient. A good friend patiently listens. Would your spouse say you're a good listener? Would your spouse say you enjoy hearing them talk? Faithfulness, the kind of person who is there when the other person is suffering, who doesn't just say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. There are some friends you put everything down for, and certainly that uh, your spouse should be that friend. Protection. A good friend is the kind of person who uh, when when you're attacked they they're they're with you it's not that they don't push you it's not that they don't rebuke you it's it's just that you know you know without a doubt that they are for you do you criticize your spouse in front of others that's a good question to ask certainly you should rebuke them privately but are you tearing them down in front of other people what do you uh, feel when others say bad things about your spouse. What do you do? Restraint. A good friend uh, is willing to give up things that might cause the other person to to stumble. Is there anything you do that your spouse thinks is sin and you're continuing to do it without working at changing? And then uh, time. 
it's it's really difficult to have a great friendship without time. Of course, there are people that you haven't seen in a long time, but you're so close because of the time you've spent in the past that you just pick up where you left off. But normally, your best friendships that right now are going to be the kinds of friendships that you're putting time into, and certainly that that goes for your your spouse. Are you often together? What kinds of things do you do together? What kinds of things do you do separately? Is there anything that keeps you from having alone time together? Wow, there's a lot to being a good friend. It's a privilege that God gives us this opportunity to have this kind of friend and to be this kind of friend, but there is a lot to it. And, you know, to put an exclamation point on all this, what we're talking about when we talk about friendship between a husband and wife, of course, is oneness. This is no ordinary friendship. Remember how back in Genesis, it talks about the couple being one flesh. And that's a picture of how deep this friendship between a husband and wife should go. We're talking about a relationship in which the husband and wife share their lives completely as long as they both shall live. It's the type of relationship uh, one person has written that is shared with no one else other than one's mate. It's a partnership in every area of life for as long as both partners live. In other words, there's absolutely nothing which one spouse can say to the other, this is none of your business. The wife has complete unfettered access to every area of her husband's life and he has the same with hers. They are friends. They are companions. They are one, which sounds awesome and is awesome, but it's not what many people are experiencing at all. They're not experiencing oneness. They're not really even friends. And so we're going to need to think, what keeps couples from having this kind of friendship? But we'll talk about this next time. These podcasts actually are supposed to be short, and this one didn't end up very short at all. But that's because friendship, it seems like friendship between a husband and wife should be should be obvious, should be something that people desire. But unfortunately, when you look at the problems people are having in marriages and you compare their marriage to God's blueprint, you find that they are not fulfilling this purpose that God had in mind when he designed marriage. And, and sometimes... They're not even pursuing it. How about you? How about you? Will you ask God that he would fill you up with his love so that you can show that love to your spouse by pursuing being the absolute best friend you can to them? Imagine if you want to make one goal for your life. There's lots of things you should pursue, but one great goal for your life is How can I be the best biblical kind of friend I can be to the the person God has chosen for me?